Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Appreciate you spending a little time with us today. We're in the middle of another busy week here. We got lots happening around the league. We got fallout from big injuries. We got waivers getting processed. And we got you set up for all that stuff with the waiver wire show and the injury roundup on Monday. And then on Tuesday, I went over the Nick Chubb and Jamal Williams injuries, and I gave you 25 players that I'm okay dropping already, just in order to free up some space on your roster, because you got to be trimming the fat. The sooner you do that, the better off your team's going to be this season. Another way that you could set yourself up for success too is by getting ahead of your league mates and making some deals for players before the public perception catches up to their real value. So we'll get today's guest in here momentarily, but right now, let's take a look at my top trade targets this week as we kick things up a notch with our friends at Frank's Red Hot. Let's Frank it up. And the first name on my list this week... Jonathan Taylor on the Colts. He's a forgotten man in fantasy. He's not available to return from IR until week five, and we don't know if he's going to come back to Indy or get traded to another team, but there's a good chance that his manager is 0-2 right now, and they can't wait any longer for him. And we know that when he's healthy, Taylor has top five fantasy upside, so see if you can make an offer before his price tag rises. My next target is also on the Colts, and that's their new franchise quarterback, Anthony Richardson. You have to love what you've seen from him so far. He looks comfortable in that offense, and the rushing ability has been on display. 10 carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown in week one. Finished as the QB4 overall for that week. And then another 35 yards and two scores on the ground in week two. And that was on just 31% of the snaps because he left with a concussion. And had he been able to play that entire game, he might have posted 30 or 40 fantasy points and people would be falling all over themselves to get him on their roster. So he's likely going to miss week three in concussion protocol. But once he's cleared, Richardson is going to have a shot to post top five fantasy quarterback numbers the rest of the season. And this might be your only chance to acquire him before he becomes a household name. And then the last player I'm highlighting today, this one's a little spicy because people are down on him, but it's Alexander Madison. And yes, I get all the negativity. He hasn't produced much in terms of yardage the first two weeks, and he only saved his fantasy day in week one thanks to a touchdown. But there's some other factors that you have to consider here. The Vikings play two very difficult run defenses in the Buccaneers and the Eagles, and they've done so while dealing with a bunch of injuries on their offensive line. Fortunately, the schedule is going to get much better moving forward. And even though Madison isn't the most gifted running back, he's one of the few who have a true three down role. So when the matchups do start getting better beginning this week, his production is going to increase. And I guarantee that you can get him very cheap at the moment. So go take a look at my trade value charts. That's going to give you an idea who you might be able to give up in order to swing a trade for these guys and then make some offers and take your roster and frank it up just like our friends at Frank's Red Hot. All right, let's get our guest in here, Dwayne McFarlane of Fantasy Life. You should be following him on X at Dwayne McFarlane. And his utilization report, it's been a must-read for several seasons now. And I know this is an episode that people wait for each year because I always bring Dwayne on after two or three weeks of data to process, and he never fails to deliver some actionable information for you to take advantage of. So, Dwayne, welcome back to the show, buddy. How you doing, man, now that we got two weeks in the books here? How are things? Well, this is the best time of year because, like, the first few weeks is it's this big reveal right we think we know some things like we follow a team the whole offseason we're reading where are they spending their money we're reading where are they investing their draft picks then we get to camp we start getting to hear okay what are the pecking orders looking like then you're trying to kind of you know work through all that because different coaches do different things right in the preseason and depending on the nature of their team like sometimes you'll see guys get to start that Really, they're just getting a look at them to decide if they're cutting them or not. Like, there's just weird things that happen in the preseason. And so you're trying to decipher all that. You think you kind of get your arms all around it. 
And then the big week one bomb happens. <laughs> and some things that you thought are completely blown apart, but then other things you thought, like they actually work out to be true. But that's the most fun part about this, right? If we knew we could be so good and so accurate at this, like I probably, I don't even know if I would enjoy it as much, but it's the surprise of what actually plays out. And then of course, chaos. Chaos is always a factor because of the injuries and everything else that occur in the NFL. So, yeah, it's it's my most favorite time of year, these first four to five weeks. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I mean, you mentioned the chaos. You mentioned the injuries. We had Nick Chubb go down. I talked about that on yesterday's show. Right before we started recording here, we had Kareem Hunt signing with the Browns. That's official now. So, before we get to that... I want to know what surprised you the last few weeks. And I know two weeks is still a small sample size. And every year when you're on, I feel like I have to say that we're not truly confident until we have three or four weeks of data to sort through. But nevertheless, I'm still going to pick your brain here and see what you've noticed. And each week you're going over a bunch of takeaways and utilization reports. So what's the one thing that surprised you the most so far? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and the other real thing, quick thing, like on what you just said is like, while we want the three to four data points and that is when it gets stronger. We don't necessarily get the time to wait because those players will already be gone. <laughs> if you're talking exactly. about a waiver wire or if you're trying to do a buy low, trying to sell high, often waiting a week for that extra data point, as much as we would love to have it, there's no way to profit off of it because the margins erased because once people, everyone else is confident, well, then the players, they're gone, right? The moves have already happened. So we have to try to do as much as we can with the information that we have. And by far, the number one story this year is the Rams offense. Uh, that's no surprise to anyone. But I mean, we're no. talking about players, Justin, that we're not getting drafted in most leagues. Puka Nakua is the wide receiver, too. Kyron Williams is the running back, too. Tutu Atwell's the wide receiver 16 or so, I think, right now. I haven't updated since the Monday night stuff. Like, I'm just looking at my article, to be honest. It was wide receiver 15 when I wrote it uh, <laughs> Monday before the games. Um, nobody expected those players to do those things. We all left the Rams passing attack. We left the Rams offense for dead. Dead. We didn't want any part of it. If you did, it was the one player people were drafting. Cooper Cup got hurt. The other player is probably just off the team in Cam Akers. So yeah. it's a complete shakeup. Tyler Higby, the other guy people were drafting, non-factor. Why? Because Nakua and Kyron Williams and Atwell, they're all playing so well. And I think the thing with Nakua is, man, it's just he's stacking up data point after data point where it's just like, okay, well, at this point, like you just have to say he's great. Like in my model for rookies, he was much more of a coin flip to the negative side of a coin flip. You know, and look, NFL teams thought the same thing. They didn't take the guy till round five. So, like, I love all the people that think they got Nakua right, and it's great. But, like, dude, like, if if he was really that great, an NFL team would have taken him before round five. So it's kind of a, I get the victory laps, they're fun. But, like, most models would have told you Nakua. There's not a model out there, in my opinion, that's going to say Nakua was, like, the slam dunk pick. Now, it's great that it's hit, and now I think we have to adapt. Like, obviously, Puka Nakua is a great player. But, Justin, get this. The guy never, in any season in college... He played for two different programs, got beyond a 60% route participation. So all that is, is how often your teams drop back the pass. Were you actually out there to catch a pass? And I remove injured games. This was a decision by his coaching staffs. Like, how could Puka Nakua not be one of the players good enough to be on the field for an every down role in college for Washington and BYU? Like, it blows me away. Yeah, and I mean, Matthew Stafford gets a lot of credit. Sean McVay and the play calling there. 
that gets a lot of credit too. And we'll see what happens when Cooper Cup returns, right? That's going to be a, another change and we're going to have to adjust along the way when and if Cooper Cup returns. We think he might be back around week five. Even when he does come back, and this is something we were talking a bit before the show about, even when he does come back because Nakua has been so good, it's not like he's going to disappear completely. Yeah, I agree. So I'm with you. I, you know, once Cooper Cup comes back, like right now, I've got Nakua in my top 12. I mean, that's that's where we're at. I think I had him uh, as wide receiver 13. Yeah. Yeah. So he's right there. Borderline, you know, I mean, look, there's obviously a few names we're not starting him over, but that you get to a conversation really quickly on the list sooner than you expect. I will move him back to wide receiver two status, probably mid range wide receiver two, maybe low end, depending on the matchup for the week. But I'm not going to overreact. Right. And then we'll see what happens that week one with the two of them playing together. And then we may. I may ratchet him back up. I may ratchet him down a little bit. Maybe he does become a wide receiver three, but I kind of feel like based on what we've seen right now, wide receiver three is going to be his floor wide receiver two range. And when I say wide receiver three, right, I'm talking 25 to 36, you know, in that wide receiver three range, I think wide receiver two, you know, that 13 to 24 feels like the sweet spot. He'll probably right be ranked in the middle of that somewhere once we get Cooper Cup back. Well, one of the other things I noticed in the utilization report were your buy low and sell high recommendations, and I'm not going to make you go through all of them here. I actually recorded a segment of buy lows at the top of the show. I do that each Wednesday. Shout out to our friends at Frank's Red Hot for that one. But I'm going to give you the floor here, Dwayne. Who's the player that you're trying to acquire right now? Yeah, so there is a unique situation going on in the marketplace right now for running backs. You know, we have a lot of injuries, and so that is hurting certain teams. But what's happening is because of these injuries and waiver wire pickups, you have certain teams and leagues that are looking down and all of a sudden they're very confident, right? So maybe they drafted Josh Jacobs in the second round, but now they've got Kyron Williams sitting on their team because they picked him up. They've got Zach Moss sitting there and he scored 20 points last week. Maybe they've got Raheem Mostert. And so they're in a spot where they're feeling really good about who they have. And they're looking at these box scores and they're like, man, Josh Jacobs hasn't scored 10 points. I'm kicking the tires on that. Josh Jacobs, we know, is taking a step back from last year. I think everyone in the industry probably gave you that advice. Guys, Josh Jacobs won't do what he did last year. But that doesn't mean Josh Jacobs is trash. Like, he's still getting an RB1 workload. Like, it will be very hard for Josh Jacobs to not finish in the top 12 running backs with the workload that he's getting. Week two is just a weird mess, man. Like, the Bills just jumped in and said, we're not letting you, Josh McDaniels, run the ball on first down. We know you love to, but we're going to make you one-dimensional. And they took Josh Jacobs away. And, and of course, classic Josh McDaniels, robot can't compute, robot. Like, he just has, like, this program. Like, the, he doesn't have AI. You know, Josh McDaniels is old school. You got a disc, you shove in the drive, it runs the, it runs the program. Like, it's not actually taking the data and analyzing it and evolving to what's happening in the game. Another side story, we'll set it aside, but that's good for Josh Jacobs because he will continue to want to give the ball to him, right? And it's a very condensed offense. It's going to be Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, and Josh Jacobs. That's it. That's the offense. So I'm trying to buy Jacobs, like, and you can go back to, for utilization data back to 2011, like his current profile, like the average finish is like RB7 with 18.4 fantasy points per game. You can definitely buy low, especially if you've got a manager in your league that's feeling cushy right now because of some of those other things that worked out. Maybe they got Jerome Ford off the waiver wire too this morning, right? So that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. I won't cover these other two guys in detail because I know we got to go, but Ramondre Stevenson performing below expectation as well and Joe Mixon. Now Mixon's a little more tricky because let's see what happens with the Bengals, you know, with the calf situation. 
But those two guys, we're not, you know, Mixon, I'm not saying is a superstar, but he's going to overperform what he's doing right now. So if you need a running back, there are a lot of names out there that have underperformed. And because of the market dynamics, you're going to have some managers that are going to be a little more willing, like to just move off of that pick they spent early because they feel really comfortable with who they have. And just to be clear, I'm sure most people know, but the calf situation you're referring to is that Joe Burrow injury. I'm not sure if he's going to be available on Monday night or not yet. There was a report that he's feeling better over the last couple of days, but that's probably going to be one that we're going to have to follow all week long. What about when we flip it the other way? We're talking buy lows. What about somebody that you're looking to sell high this week? Oh, man. So this one pains me. But you got to get out from under Garrett Wilson. Look, we don't we do not like selling super talented young players. It's not a winning strategy (laughs) most of the time. But in this case, man, there are just too many things stacked against Garrett Wilson. I think that the market is reacting too slowly. Like right now on, uh, you know, most consensus ranking sites, like he's like 22, 23, which is where he is for the season, right? He's wide receiver 21. He is an amazing player. If you have him in dynasty, this does not apply to you. In fact, it's the opposite. Go buy Garrett Wilson if you can. Now wait, because worse weeks are coming. He was bailed out last year, last week by a big play. Now that's in his talent profile. This dude can score from anywhere at any time. It, it's the environment, man. Zach Wilson ranks dead last, 54% completion rate. Okay, 44% of Garrett Wilson's targets were catchable last week. The Jets do not want Zach Wilson throwing the ball. They are minus 7% drop back rate over expectation, which accounts for the game scripts they've been in. They want to run the ball. They want to play defense because Zach Wilson is a turnover machine, man. 6.7% turnover worthy play rate. It's the second highest in the NFL per PFF. And these things are nothing new. These are things that have plagued Zach Wilson for his whole career. So we should not expect to see those change. So when you put all that together, we've got a team This ran the second most plays per game. We've got a team that has the third worst dropbacks per game, 29 and a half. So some real quick math, even if you give Wilson is 98% of the dropbacks, right? So that's Garrett Wilson. When we talk Wilson and Wilson, it gets confusing. So I'm use first (laughs) names. Garrett gets 98% of the dropbacks. Great. He gets his 20% targets per route run that he's getting right now at that 29 and a half dropbacks per game. That's a hundred targets on the season, man. Not ideal for a round two pick. Now, we don't want to give Garrett Wilson away, but that's that's a potential. All right? Let's be, okay, let's be optimistic, Dwayne. Okay, fine. 32 passing attempts per game, and let's bump up Garrett Wilson to 22% targets per route run. His career average is 21%. He's a baller. 117 targets. Not bad, but again, not what you spent a round two pick on. Now, do the math on his completion rate. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because Garrett Wilson with Zach Wilson, the connection has been a 59% completion rate. That comes to 59 catches to 69 catches. It's time for a reality check on Garrett Wilson. And last week he had the big play. He was a round two pick in fantasy drafts. He's a really good young player. People, you will find someone in your league that still thinks that's going to think you're dumb. They're going to think you're dumb for wanting to sell on Garrett Wilson. Now you're thinking, man, there's a chance he really burns me. I went ahead and did the comp work, folks. I went back to 2011, and I looked at the comps for this profile, right? This amount of dropbacks, and I gave him more room. I bumped dropbacks up to 34. Remember, they're at 29.5. I gave him a range of up to 25% targets per route run. Remember, his career average is 21%. The average wide receiver finish finish for this group, 12.5 points. 
That's wide receiver 31. The top finisher was Tyler Lockett in 2021, wide receiver 18 with 15 fantasy points per game. I think that at worst is what you're giving up. If you're wrong, that's not too much to give up if you're wrong because the floor is 9.6 fantasy points per game. That was wide receiver 49 in 2011. So obviously we're leaning to the averages here, but you're giving up probably a mid-range wide receiver three that everyone is stuck thinking he's a wide receiver two. And the only reason why is they spent a round two pick on him. Yeah. And the only hope is that they eventually make a trade, trade. that you have Zach Wilson, you know, he gets to play against the We're Cowboys against last Kobe week. Brissett. He's got to play against the Patriots <laughs> this week. It's not really a great setup for him. And then maybe they see how bad he is in those games and then they decide to make a move. But who is that guy out there that's going to come in and save the day? I don't even really know. And I love Garrett Wilson. This does pain me, guys. I hope he proves me wrong and that you guys can all come on social media and blow me up and call me an idiot because I love Garrett Wilson. But man, this is too much against him. All right. Well, we buried the lead a little bit. We probably should talk about this Kareem Hunt thing <laughs> and him joining that Browns yeah. backfield. And like I mentioned, I went over, you know, Nick Chubb being lost for the season on Tuesday's show. And I told folks, go out, get Jerome Ford as the next man up there. And that I wasn't that worried about Hunt signing in Cleveland if he was going to do that, which now, of course, that's official. But we also got the reports yesterday that Hunt had to try out for the team, that even though he was there for four years, they still made him prove himself again. And I think that makes sense because he seemed like he lost a step last year. So now you have Ford as the lead back, kind of regardless of what Hunt's going to do there. I think he is just going to be sort of a change of pace or a backup to him. And I'm a little bit worried about the upcoming schedule. I don't think people were talking about this enough. You have the Titans, the Ravens, then a bye and then the 49ers. So those are three tough matchups and that buy in there over the next month. I'm not sure if that concerns you or not, Dwayne. I do want to know though, how are you valuing Ford now that Hunt is in the building? And do you see Ford potentially being that league winner pickup that a lot of people are billing him as? I don't know that Ford will be a league winning pickup. I think Ford will be a really good pickup for your fantasy team that was worthy of up to 90% of your fab bid, depending on the type of league you play in. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You know if you're in the kind of league where 90% is what you got to throw down on Ford, right? If you're playing in an eight-team short bench, you know, even then I'm probably dropping 40 to 50%. So this is a very, very, very important player for the fantasy season. Um, I don't know that he wins your league. I don't think he has the talent profile to do that, but I do think he could end up being a top 12 running back, which, uh, you know, look, if you, if you went Z, it also depends on the construction of your team. If you went zero RB and you just managed to have one guy right now you're trusting, but otherwise you're having to scrape together your RB two situation. And now you get to plug in Jerome Ford and you send me the screenshot of your four freaking awesome wide receivers that you're getting <laughs> to play, including your flex, probably more of a league winner potentially for that kind of team. Right. For the team that drafted a bunch of running backs early and had to go grab Jerome Ford just because they lost Nick Chubb or something else, probably not winning. It's probably not a league winning pick. So, I mean, these things all have like layers of context. And you probably wish I would just give an answer. Um, so still a great pickup. I am worried about the matchups like Tennessee. Like, here's some analytics for you. Just kidding, folks. This is just kidding. But like if you just look at who Tennessee's playing next. Their, their starting running back probably won't be available. Week one, they got to play against Jamal Williams. Alvin Kamara was out. Week two, they got to come out and play. Who do they play? Why am I going blank now? The Chargers? <laughs> they got to play, yeah, they got to play Josh Kelly Josh last Kelly. week. Austin, Austin Eckler got hurt the week before, right? Now they get supposed to get Nick Chubb. No, they get Jerome Ford. So next week, whoever Tennessee plays, it's, it's the Bengals. Sorry, Joe Mixon. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like they're probably playing Travion Williams. Or who knows? Who knows who that yeah, is? Maybe Travion maybe don't buy low on Joe Mixon then. Maybe, yeah, maybe wait yeah. a wait a bit on that Whoops. one. <laughs> yeah. The real stats that matter here. But yeah, I, I do like Jerome Ford and I, I'm with you. I don't think Kareem Hunt poses a huge risk to him, but he could take the passing down work. That's the little kind of stuff you get into with the utilization. And last night, a lot of Ford's like upside came from those little passes from Watson, right? Where Watson's scrambling, evading trouble. That's how he caught his touchdown pass. That's also how he nearly caught another touchdown pass where he was down just at the one. And then he was gassed and had to come off the field and give Pierre Strong like the short yardage touchdown. The thing we all hate as fantasy managers uh, for your best ball teams. But yeah, I, I do think that Kareem Hunt poses a risk to the overall every down profile. And if that happens, that will move Jerome Ford more to RB, like mid-range RB2 status. If he holds on to that passing down work, you know he's going to be right there on the cusp of that RB1 conversation every week, depending on matchup. All right, there's a couple other injury situations that are impacting backfields here that I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, one is the Lions, where we have David Montgomery saying after the game in week two that he's probably going to be out a few weeks with that quad injury. Dan Campbell comes out the next day and calls him day-to-day. I would expect that Montgomery's outlook is probably a little closer to the truth, but we don't know for sure yet. We also saw Craig Reynolds step into a Montgomery-style role almost (laughs) on Sunday. So I want to know how you're viewing that backfield with Montgomery likely out at least this week, maybe for a few weeks. Are we going to see the rookie Jameer Gibbs get turned loose now, or is this going to still be sort of a committee with Reynolds playing in that Montgomery role? So... This is one of those interesting ones. I think the answer to your question is both. We are going to see Gibbs in the role that we wanted him to be in from the beginning of this season. But Craig Reynolds or, um, you know, one of the other backs is still going to be involved. Zonovan Knight just got promoted to the main roster. Yeah, Bam Knight. Right. Which honestly is probably the better fit than Craig Reynolds (laughs) to take the early down work. Um, So Reynolds had 60% of the rushing attempts after we saw, you know, David Montgomery go down last week. Now, it was a small sample, but Jameer Gibbs his route participation skyrocketed to 67%. And when I projected Jameer Gibbs this year and I did my range of outcome work on him, that was where I saw the biggest upside. If he could get to that 60 to 65% route participation, and I only projected him for like 30% of the rushing attempts, I expected Dave Montgomery to be the early down workhorse. He unlocks RB1 upside in that scenario. So if you go back through history, like Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, you're like, oh man, no, they had way more of the rushing workload. No, they didn't. Neither one reached 30 set, neither one reached 30% of the rushing attempts in their rookie seasons. They were they finished as the RB3 and RB9, respectively. Well, how'd they do that? It was getting onto the field in the passing game, and both of them were electric and earning targets. So Kamara got to 50% route participation as a rookie, 33% targets per route run. That's insane. Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> 79% route participation, 24% targets per route run. Well, guess what Gibbs is at right now, targets per route run? 33%. Guess who Gibbs' closest comp in my model was outside of weight in college? Alvin Kamara. Like, that was his comp coming out of college. Yeah. It was CMC and Alvin Kamara were his closest, too. Um, so... I think this is this is big for Jameer Gibbs. I think he needs to be in the high-end RB2 conversation this week. I do think he gets those passing downs. I do think there is another back that will still lead the way on the early down work. All right, then the other backfield that I wanted to ask you about was the Eagles. And Kenneth Gainwell, he comes out of week one. He dominated the touches then, but he got hurt. 
DeAndre Swift barely gets used in week one and then absolutely goes off with Gainwell on the sidelines in week two. I mean, Swift, 31 touches, 181 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown last week. Could have been three touchdowns in that game. He got tackled at the goal line a couple of times and then Jalen Hurts did the old tush push and scored on those. But we don't know what's going to happen moving forward because the Seagulls coaching staff, I mean, Gainwell, we don't know if he's going to be available or not this week. And when he does come back, how is he going to factor in? The matchup, too, is also much tougher this week. They're going against that Buccaneers run defense. Mm-hmm. But what are you expecting moving forward from these guys and their usage? Is Swift going to be that fantasy starter the rest of the season after the big performance? I do think Swift is still the player you want to own. I think he's the guy you want on your roster. And the reason why is just the more talented back. I like Kenneth Gainwell. He has some nice things about his talent profile, especially in the receiving game. But he is not as good as DeAndre Swift when you look at all of the other ma- metrics. Like, And look... DeAndre Swift, Swift truthers. I know it's only one game, but you have been vindicated. We've known all along that if you give him this workload, he's going to freaking explode because every underlying data point that matters, that points towards talent has told us this since college, then as a rookie, then in year two, then in year three, Lions, what are you doing? Why are you trading away? I mean, why are you spending first round capital and trading away Swift? I don't understand it. And that's no knock on Jameer Gibbs. Love him. Love the player right? I get it. There's obviously other things going on, but it's like, come on, man, guys, like average yards after contact 14th in the league last year, 10 plus yard rush rate, 13.1% of his carries went for 10 plus yards. That was eighth in the league. Missed tackles fourth per attempt last year, seventh in the league targets per route run. Hello. Second in the NFL last year, 27% targets per route run. We want a passing down back out here in Detroit. Well, you already (laughs) had one 1.65 yards per route run fourth. Okay. So You want him because if he gets the job or if he gets half the job, I expect him to do more with it than Gainwell. Now, to your point, I can't tell you who it's going to be because the Eagles staff also watched DeAndre Swift all offseason and they watched Kenneth Gainwell and they arrived at the conclusion that it should be Kenneth Gainwell. So there's obviously something, Justin, about DeAndre Swift that coaches don't like. I mean, that's the only way I know to put it. Or something that they really like about Kenneth Gainwell. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I just... Like he's so talented, man. Like it's gotta be something. Is he late to meetings? Does he not understand his assignments? Like there's something that we don't get to see right on the outside. So I don't think you can dismiss Gainwell. I will project both of these guys as RB threes this week. And then I think we adjust as we move forward, but we've seen now Swift has league winning upside. If he's in the role, I don't think we can say that about Gainwell. I think he will be a very viable asset to your fantasy team, given where you drafted him. But I think Swift is the one that if he suddenly is the lead back for this team, he can win your league. He could be the RB one overall. All right, almost done, Dwayne. We're into the rapid fire All right. section. Now. All right, rapid you, fire. You know, I know you always got to remind me of this because I yeah, never you're do rapid you're a veteran fire. of this though. Come on, you've been on every year for the last Let's couple do it. seasons. So short answers only. You can give a little context. I would expect nothing less of Mister <laughs> Context Matters. Even though I saw that you changed your handle away from the Context Matters into just it's Dwayne still McFarlane. in there though. Still in very the bio. professional of you. Yes, but uh, I left it in the bio just so when people respond to stuff, like the first thing they can say, like when they think you're an idiot, is they say Context Matters. I really enjoyed that <laughs> aspect of social media. So I kept it there just so that the trolls could still use it. All right. Well, don't hesitate to add a little context if you want, but we'll go through these quick and we will start off with, is Anthony Richardson a top 10 fantasy QB when healthy this week right now? He's not practicing on Wednesday. Uh, He's got the concussion. He's in concussion protocol. Could still get cleared, but not practicing on Wednesday is not a great sign for this week. Regardless, when he is out there, is he going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback? Abso-freaking-lutely. 
He's the QB nine on 66% of the snaps. He's going to be a top six guy. He was on the verge of a a massive game last week if he didn't get hurt. Uh, Should we be worried about Justin Fields? No, for, for real life bears. Yes. Fantasy managers. No, he's still scrambling 20% of the design rushing attempts. And that's where utilization matters. Folks, you'll see he's only had three rushing plays. Well, last week they didn't get to run the ball. He got a bigger percentage. So the way these game plans work out, it usually comes down to, well, we're only going to get to rush it this many times. What percentage of the pie are we giving to each player? Right. And so the pie is actually potentially growing here for fields. And remember, it took the Bears like seven weeks last year to figure this out. <laughs> they need to unleash uh, Justin Fields in the design run game. I think they're going to get there quicker this year. So no sweat, fantasy managers, NFL. I, I get it, Bears. You are wondering if you have your quarterback of the future or not. All right. How high would you rank Kendra Miller if he's active and Jamal Williams is out this week, which I think is what we can expect that Jamal Williams is going to miss a bit of time with that hamstring issue. If Kendra Miller practices in full, I think you put him at that low end RB2, mid range RB2 range. All right. Who leads the Packers in receiving the rest of the way? Christian Watson. Is Nico Collins' breakout going to continue? Abso-freaking-lutely. Who's your favorite redraft stash right now? Tank Dell. Tank Dell. Noah Brown went down last week, out for four weeks. Noah Brown, you know, former Cowboy, love you. You're not getting your job back. This is Tank Dell's job now. He was second on the team in routes behind only Robert Woods. He led the team in target share last week. Tank Dell about to do some things. CJ Stroud looking pretty good. And then last one, we always ask this, which player's being overlooked heading into week three? It's Jonathan Mingo for the Carolina Panthers. They've got to get the passing game going, but we saw the return of DJ Chark last week, and he split the role with Terrace Marshall. Jonathan Mingo stayed in a starting role, had a 27% target share. Oh, my goodness. And he works down the field. A lot of the things that Bryce Youngs does really well, he is not doing them well yet at the NFL level, but buying time, creating outside the pocket, hitting the big plays down the field. We saw all those things at Alabama. I think those things eventually click between him and Jonathan Mingo, who is unrostered in a ton of leagues at this point. And there you have it. I'm calling it there. That is all for today's show. Make sure you're checking out Dwayne's content at Fantasy Life. Give him that follow on X or Twitter at Dwayne McFarlane. And brother, you know, thank you again for jumping on the show. I love talking to you. I love talking to you before we start recording, which we always go long on that. I love talking to you when we're recording. Congrats on all the success the last few years. I mean, it's been awesome seeing you get the recognition that you deserve. Just absolutely one of the best in the game. And I'm glad that we connected early in the process and that we have been able to do this for the last four or five seasons or whatever it's been. So I know you're always working on something too. Is there anything that you want to direct people towards before we get you out of here? Yeah, first, I just want to say thank you. I really love coming on the show. I love this show. I love the guests you get on this show. Um, You know, so I really appreciate you in this community. And I, I just love your work as well. So the respect is all mutual first off. Um, yeah, as far as like stuff we've got going on, the utilization report hits every Tuesday morning. So folks can go check that out. But look, you don't have to wait on me. We have built a suite of tools at fantasylife.com. You go to fantasylife.com, you click on the word utilization at, on the top bar, and then you're going to see four things. A preview where you can go read my article, or you can look at the game log view and you can look at each team and you can see all these pieces of data that I've been giving you. You can toggle back and forth between the raw numbers or if you want the percentages. But what I just told you about Jonathan Mingo It's sitting right there. It's sitting right there for you. And we've got a lot of other improvements coming. You also have a season long view where it aggregates everybody and you can look, you can sort, oh, who's getting the most targets in the league? Who's getting uh, the most route participation for the running backs? Who's getting the two minute work at running back? All of that stuff is there. And you have a team level view where you get, where you give you drop back, drop back over expectation. So how are teams 
operating, right? No, regardless of the game script. And then we also have something for pace. So plays per minute over expected. So just some cool stuff where you get a complete understanding of these players and whether or not like the fantasy production you're getting is really matching up with their utilization, or maybe they have a really great utilization profile, but the fantasy points haven't come yet. I know I just went long on that, Justin, but it's really cool. I'm super excited about it. I think it's the biggest thing, honestly, that I've done in my career is building, building this tool, all powered by PFF data, by the way. Um, which is awesome that we were able to come to a, a nice agreement with them and get this into everybody's hands. That's fantastic, man. I for mean, free. that's what that section's for. We want you to promote that kind of stuff. And we're trying to make better fantasy managers here. So if we can give them tools like that, that's what it's all about. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for coming on again. As for me, I'm going to be back Thursday with the mailbag show, Friday with the injury updates episode. But until then, big thanks once more to Dwayne. Big thanks to all of you for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.